0: it's one of the most coveted items of the past year. It's not beanie babies, it's not tickle me elmo, it's not even toilet paper. It is actually seeds, believe it or not. And seed sales are hitting record highs, which is a really good thing, but it can leave a whole lot of questions in the process. Things like, you know, which seeds do you buy? How do you take these seeds and do you start them in the house like you know, in those little pots, or do you put them right in the ground? How do you store them? How do I know if old seeds are still good? Lots of questions, and we're going to answer all of those and more in today's Ultimate Seed episode. You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. So, I have been actually watching this seed situation for the last couple of months. I almost always order my seeds end of December, early January. Um, but I started to notice last year, I think it was like April, I needed a few things I was missing, and I went to order them, and they were they were gone. <laughs> they were sold out. And I saw a lot of other people having that same, issue and it's continued on. And we knew that it was going to be a little bit touch and go throughout this new season. And sure enough, we've already seen companies reporting, uh you know, record sales. One company had to shut down for a while because they were so overwhelmed with orders. So needless to say, if you haven't ordered your seeds yet, I would get those ordered ASAP. So I was talking, we were talking to um, one of the seed companies that I absolutely love, True Leaf Market, and they shed a little bit of light on this situation. I wanted to share some of this with you because I thought this was really interesting. So our friend Parker over at True Leaf Market, he said that in the past, very successful seed companies would go out of business because they had too many seeds, you know, like too much inventory that can hurt any business. So Seed companies were, would be very conservative with their inventory just to make sure their business could survive. And typically, in the past, a seed company would only grow enough to meet last year's demands, which makes sense. You know, they wouldn't go crazy. And if they did anticipate higher demands the following year, they wouldn't grow more seeds um, than like 2%. They would just increase two by 2% by year over year if needed. And it's all logical, right? But last year took everybody, by surprise, in more ways than one. Um, they said they sold a year's worth of seeds in six weeks, six weeks, which is just unprecedented. Don't you feel like that's the word for 2020? unprecedented. Sometimes I get tired of it. Maybe I should stop saying it. Anyway, in addition to these crazy high seed sales, there were a number of seed farms in China and Italy that were not able to plant seeds because of COVID. So you have all those factors combining to produce an actual seed shortage. And he, Parker, our friend at True Leaf Market reiterated, you know, you don't have to be panicked. Um, they in particular do have seeds, but we might have to be a little more creative with different varieties. And I noticed that when I was ordering some of the varieties I normally get, they were, they were missing or they were out of stock. So I just substituted for other things. So he said in particular that we may notice across the board specific shortages with different sunflowers, with tomatoes, beans, peas, and organic herbs. So that's not to panic you. There, I've still seen plenty of seeds in stock at various companies, um, but it is a good idea to get stuff ordered sooner versus later. And I actually did get a coupon code from True Leaf Market, and I wanted to pass that along. So if you use the code Spring 2021, you're going to get $10 off your first order at True Leaf Market of $50 or more and I love this company. They're a super cool company. You may remember last year when I shared about them and we had Parker on the podcast and they're just awesome. Small business, fast shipping, reasonable heirloom, organic seeds. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but grab that code. It's going to expire, I believe, end of February. So spring 2021. And I'll drop that in the show notes as well as the link you can use to check out their website. So not a reason to panic, but definitely a good time to take action. Okay, now that we understand the seed shortage situation a little bit better, let's talk about the type of seeds that you want to purchase. And there's definitely, you know, kind of differing opinions on this, so you get to decide. The three main categories that I always think about or break seeds down into our heirloom, hybrid, and GMO. So heirloom, let's talk about them first cuz they're often the seeds that get the most attention in homesteader circles and they're my favorite. Um, an heirloom seed is simply a variety that has been around for at least 50 years. So we hear a lot of buzz around heirloom, it just means it's been around 50 years or more, although many varieties have been around A whole lot longer than that, and because of this, they have some cool stories, and I love you know seeing some of those reiterated in different seed catalogs or descriptions. You know, you'll hear things like this variety was grown in Italy since 1865, and so and so saved it, and you know, just cool stuff. So, um, generally, those heirlooms were prized often by individuals or families, and they kept them for years and years and years. Another characteristic of heirloom seeds is that they're open pollinated. And this just means that plants have only been exposed to the normal natural pollination methods like bugs, birds, the wind, and nobody, no human has tried to purposely cross them with other varieties to make a hybrid. There's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but it does change things up a little bit. So that means if you save a seed from an heirloom plant, it's going to produce true to its type. Um, So if you save those heirloom tomato seeds, you'll have those same variety growing from the seeds the following year. This is, I feel like, especially important right now. We are seeing this seed shortage. I don't know how long that shortage will last, but I'm definitely upping my seed saving game this year got a book from the library on how to save different varieties some best practices. I'm going to be digesting that information. In years past, I got a little bit lax with the seeds I was saving. I do it a little bit, but I wouldn't go out of my way. And I'm kind of like, you know what, this might be a good year to get a little more diligent. So heirlooms are going to give you that full possibility of seed saving. Um, Okay. That brings us to our other varieties here. So we have hybrids. Now, I think hybrids get confused with GMO seeds, genetically modified, but they're not the same thing. A hybrid is simply a plant that has been crossed on purpose for better production, better color, better portability, things like that. So here's an example. Let's say you have a variety of tomato that grows this big, amazing fruit but it doesn't produce a whole lot of them. It doesn't have a great yield. But then you have this other variety of tomato that has great yields, but smaller fruit. So by crossing these two plants, you could feasibly create a hybrid that would give you the best of both worlds. Now, the problem with this is that if you're going to save those seeds and try to replant them the following year, you wouldn't they wouldn't produce true to type. That's just the nature of hybrids. So if you're growing hybrid plants, you have to repurchase the seed year after year, which in this climate of seed shortage, I cannot say that it is a tongue twister seed shortage. That is definitely something to keep in mind. Okay. But hybrids are not necessarily bad. They've just been selectively crossed. You know, humans do that a lot. It's, it's, We do that with animals. We breed for different traits and characteristics. There's nothing wrong with that. You just have to know what you're getting. Um, Okay, that in contrast with genetically modified, and this is where people get confused. Genetically modified organisms always have to happen in a lab, right? So you cannot genetically modify something at home. Generally, you know, we have somebody in a lab taking a gene from a different organism and in and combining it with another organism, so you might have the gene of, from a fungus or uh, a completely different plant entirely being added to the tomato to try to do something, you know, produce different traits. Um, so it's completely different and far more complicated than simple hybridization. A lot of folks are of the impression that you know all seeds are are genetically modified except ones that expressly say GMO free, and that's not necessarily true. There's actually not a whole lot of GMO seeds that you're going to find in a typical seed catalog. Um, It it's kind of a big deal to genetically modify something, so most of those companies who are working on GMOs are going to be focusing on that for more of the large-scale industrial crops. That doesn't mean you won't ever see it, but it's just not as common as some people think. And again, there's a lot of controversy around GMOs, plenty of opinions. I just prefer with, you know, the unknowns associated with them and some of the other things. I just like to steer clear of them. And I like the heirlooms for plenty of other reasons. So that is an easy choice for me. Um, I would say that 99% of the seeds in my collection are heirloom. And then maybe the remaining 1% are, would be a hybrid that I grabbed at the garden store when I was desperate and I forgot to order my seeds in time. So that's how I roll, but you can decide how you want to grow. There's really, it's hard. It's kind of hard to mess it up. Just go with what feels good to you. Okay. So we have our seeds ordered, hopefully. Um, you can get seeds, you know, of course, at your local nursery or garden store, or even places like Walmart have them these days. I just always order mine because I get better varieties and a little more flexibility. So, but you know, do it, do what you will. Okay. So you have your, your new seeds. What about old seeds? I would say most homesteaders have quite the stash of leftover seeds. I am no exception. Um, as far as storing seeds, it's preferable to keep them cool and dark because heat and light are going to degrade them more quickly. And so I have been keeping mine, you know, you might've seen a YouTube video I did last year where it was like, how I'm organizing my messy seeds. And I just like, it was a weekend. I didn't want to go to town. And I'm like, I got to, I got to organize these. So I just cut up some cardboard and made dividers into a plastic box and that worked fine. Uh, but this year I'm like, eh, I'm going to get a little bit more sophisticated. I'm going to up level the seed storage. So I finally invested in photo boxes, which were not expensive, but they're pretty awesome. And I get a ton of questions about them when I post a picture. All it is is a clear plastic box And within that box, there's a whole bunch of other smaller boxes, and it's designed for like scrapbookers or crafty people, of which I am not in that category. But it's designed for people like that to organize photos so that you can just picture these boxes are photo size. Coincidentally, photos are also the same size as a seed packet. So they work beautifully for organizing your seeds. I got two of the cases. I think they were $15 each and then organized. I could put all my tomatoes in one of the little inside boxes and all the squash in another one. It's really nice and really organized. And it makes my OCD heart very happy. So I think you can, if you want to try checking some of those out yourself, um, look at your local craft store or, or like Michael's is another place to check about. Anyway, I store those boxes in my seeds down in my basement, which is cool and dark. If you want seeds to last even longer, you can store them in the freezer. You just want to do it in an airtight container um, or your refrigerator even. So that's if we're going for long-term storage. Now, there's always this question, at least in my mind, when I pull the box of seeds out after the long, dark winter and we're getting ready to plant, I'm kind of like, ooh, are these actually viable? And it can depend. And there are varieties of seeds that are going to lose their viability much faster than others. And so I wouldn't say there is a set expiration date necessarily. It just depends on the seed and the storage conditions. But there is a way to tell so you don't end up planting a bunch of seeds that end up being duds because I've done that before and it's extremely disappointing and it can really set you back because you have this little window of planting time and then you put these dud seeds in the ground and then you have to start all over two weeks later once you realize they're not germinating and it can really cramp your schedule. So here's how to check your seeds to see what you're working with here. Okay, here's how I do it. Grab a paper towel, get it damp, pretty damp, not like dripping, just soggy. Um, And then I put the seeds on the paper towel. And I know for me, my bean seeds seem to go kaput faster than other things. So I'll check the beans or the peas. I don't check everything. Uh, But anything I'm concerned about or that I know is older, I'll check those. And I like to use 10 seeds of each type because it makes the math easier. You'll see why in a minute. Um, and, it gives, and it makes sure I have a really good sampling. If I just use two seeds, it's not going to give me as much data. So I like to use 10. Use however many you want. So I put these 10 seeds on this damp paper towel. Uh, if you're putting more than one type of seed on the towel that look alike, definitely label them because you will forget. And then you can roll up the towel or just put another wet towel over the top. Just We just have to make sure the seeds are completely surrounded by dampness one way or the other. Then put the wet paper towels and the seeds into a plastic bag, seal it up to keep it damp and put it in a warm place. You don't necessarily have to have light, but it does need to be warm. And then depending on the type of seeds that you're testing, you should start to see them germinate between two to 14 days, depending on the type of seed, like peas and beans are going to sprout really quick. If you're doing carrots and parsnips, they take forever. Uh, So just keep an eye. If the paper towel starts to dry out, spritz it with some more water to keep it damp. But other than that, you just have to watch. And then once they sprout, you know, you start having those early sprouters, they're coming on. Give the other guys a couple days to catch up. But then, you know, after a day or two after the sprouting begins, I would probably call it good, and then do your figuring of how many sprouted versus how many did not sprout. And this is where the math gets a little bit easier, right? Um, one seed sprouts out of 10, that's a 10% germination rate. If five seeds sprout out of 10, that's 50% and so on. So you're just wanting to know what you have to work with. You know, if you get in there and you're like, Ooh, I'm, I'm like at 60% germination. So I know some of these seeds are bad and they're not super, super strong. I wouldn't necessarily throw them all away, but I'd probably plant more seeds in a row, and just to to pad my chance chances a little bit more, just so you have the data. Data is your friend. Alrighty, so where are we at? We have our seeds purchased. We know if our old seeds are good. What do we do with said seeds? <laughs> well, it depends. Um, for a lot of varieties, not a lot, some it will behoove you to plant them ahead of time, even before you can get out in your garden, especially if you live in a cold climate like I do. So I live obviously in Wyoming. A lot of you know that. And it's zone 5B, I think. Whatever one is the colder part of zone 5, that's the one I'm in. So I don't get to plant outside until after Memorial Day any sooner than that. And we're risking a blizzard on the baby plants. So that means that for things like my tomatoes and my peppers and my broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, stuff like that, I want to give it a head start because there's no way that it'll have enough time to grow to maturity. If I put that little tomato seed right in my soil out in my garden on June 1st, there's just not enough time. So I have to give it a head start And so I will start them in my house and then transplant them on June 1st. So I'll plant a lot of things direct in the ground, like the pumpkins, they don't really transplant great, or the corn or the beans and the peas. I've never found a need to start those guys in my house. So they go direct in the soil and they'll have plenty of time. But those more finicky plants um, are really simple to start ahead of time. Now, I know a lot of folks feel feel fairly intimidated with this idea of starting seeds in your house. And I've actually been of that same mindset when I first started. Um, because you have to get some special equipment or it may seem like you do. And then, you know, when do you start them? And when do you put them out? And how do you make sure there's that thing called hardening off and all those questions? So I actually just published... Well, by the time you listen to this episode, it'll be a week or two old. But I at the time of this recording, I just published a YouTube video showing you my exact seed setup so you can duplicate it. And it doesn't have to be complicated. You can use a windowsill. You can use simple light fixtures or grow lights. Um, You can use a greenhouse if you have one or a cold frame, but you really don't have to. You can just use other options. But when I do the math, I have saved thousands of dollars over the years just getting a pack of tomato seeds and starting them myself versus buying them at the store. And I'm not afraid, you know, in these situations, even in the homesteading world, I am a big fan of looking at all angles of a problem, you know, and if it's going to take me 49 hours to do this thing, and I only save $2 in doing so, well, sometimes I'll just buy it at the store. But in this instance, with starting seeds You'll save so much money by doing it yourself. It's absolutely worth the minimal effort that it takes to do this. So if you go to that video, I'll leave it in the show notes. Um, There is a whole explanation and tons of footage of this system. In a nutshell, if you're not a YouTube person, I get a shelf like those wire baker shelves from Costco. I have it in my basement. My basement has no windows. And then I get a four foot shop light, like the cheapo kind, about 15 bucks, hang it from chains on each shelf of this rack. They each have their own light. And then I put, I use those nursery trays, the 10 by 20s, grab the little inserts like you'd see when you buy plants at the store, but you, I just buy them in bulk, not the plants. I buy the inserts in bulk and then I reuse them year after year and plant directly in those, put them under my lights. Lower the lights down to ensure that they're getting enough light because if your light's too far away, they get really weak and spindly. And that's it. Um, I water them, I make sure the room is warm, and it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, if you have a good south facing window, you can stick your seedlings in there. And that's just going to give you a really solid supply of baby plants that you can put into your garden when the time comes. Now, exactly when you want to start seeds is going to depend on where you live. Like I said, I'm zone five. So I don't even start my seeds until March because most of my plants, like the tomatoes need like eight weeks, eight to 10 weeks to get started before I put them outside And my cabbages need four to six weeks before I put them outside. My peppers need like 10 or 12 weeks usually before I put them outside. So I'll stagger my planting. Um, But March is when I start my tomatoes and stuff. And that's usually sufficient. So to figure that out on your end, the first thing you want to do is figure out what garden zone you are in. And that's a quick Google search. You can figure that out for free. Um, Just type in USDA garden zone map. Or if you're in Canada, I'm sure they have an equivalent. And you'll see this color-coded map. You can find where you are and then figure out your zone. And then from there, you just would Google uh, first and last frost dates. And that'll give you these tables that'll tell you the last average frost date for your zone. So very simple. And then you just count backwards from what you want to start. So if you have questions about that, go check out that video. In, In a nutshell, all these baby seeds need in your house are going to be heat, light, and water, and it doesn't have to be complicated. So, what else? What else about seeds do I need to talk about? I think that's mostly everything. I think we're good. Okay, then. So, (laughs) our next episode, we're going to talk about the most important part, the soil, and I think this is one of my favorite parts of gardening. I learned a lot about soil in 2020. I did some deep dives with books and different resources, and it's awesome stuff. So we're going to be dishing the dirt on soil next week and how you test your soil, how do you know if your soil is good for your garden, what you can do to make your soil better, and everything in between. So come back for that one. In the meantime, if you want to keep up with me, Um, I'm over on Instagram quite a bit at the Prairie Homestead, or if you're ditching social media entirely, you can join my email crew at the slash layout. And I call it slash layout because I'm going to send you a free homestead layout planning guide when you join the email list. So go do that and we can stay in touch that way. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. As always, if you have specific questions or things you want me to cover, On future episodes, please send them my way. Love to hear what you're thinking. And that's it. We'll talk again on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose Podcast.